Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and tight. you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. All right, Chuck's going to join us now. I think he's good to go. Chuck, good morning. Uh, Appreciate you making some time for us as always, man. Your initial reaction to Saturday night. Just got beat. I mean, you know, it's four to nothing, 15 seconds in. You never (laughs) led. I mean, it was never – yeah, it was Auburn's night all night. Arkansas just uh, struggled to score. And, you know, there was was a point – I think it was a little less than four minutes to play in the first half – down four with the ball and missed the shot. I think Council missed a shot uh, coming down the left side of the lane off the glass. And, you know, that was really the point right there where, really the only point, frankly, where it looked like Arkansas might make it a ball game. And they went on that little run right before the half. And, you know, I think in the second half, you know, basically 10 8, I mean, that was pretty much the margin yeah. the entire time. So, I mean, it was just, it was Auburn's night. Arkansas. There was really never a point, you know, maybe a point or two, but beyond that, you know, there was never really a point where Auburn looked like they were going to do anything other than win the game. Yeah, and they had a stretch in the first half where Auburn did not score, but Arkansas barely cut into that lead. You, you mentioned they got it down to four at one point, but if Arkansas had gotten their gotten their shots to go, you might have actually taken the lead. Then they go scoreless for the last four minutes, the Razorbacks do, and that, that was really the point where you climbed the mountain and you you kind of fell back down a little bit. They just don't have a lot of offensive weapons right now. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, they planned on Brazil and Smith providing a lot of that punch that they don't have right now. And, you know, when everybody was together for the, I guess, game and a half, yeah. um, you know, you kind of saw uh, what that could be. Well, those guys aren't there now. And it's not like you can – wave a magic wand. I mean, we talk about, you know, who's going to step up. Well, you can't turn yourself into a three-point shooter in a couple of days. I mean, you can't. I mean, that's not your game. The two guys that they thought were going to fill that role aren't there, and they're struggling to score. And I'm not entirely sure what the answer is going to be there for the remainder of this month. I mean, I'm just not sure what it is because, um, you know, again, you cannot wave a magic wand and make somebody a great shooter. You just can't. There were points in that game where I thought they did a pretty good job against the zone. I went back and watched it yesterday. Uh, they got the ball in the short corner, hit a cutter on the way to the basket, either drew the foul or got the bucket. Um, but there were plenty of other times when, you know, they didn't do that and mm-hmm. they didn't score and missed a lot of shots around the rim. So, I mean, it, it was just a bad night. It was Auburn's night. We remember rushing the floor. And, man, they did, too. 
Uh, they talked about it during the week, and uh, they were they were ready for the Razorbacks. Yeah, I heard Flanagan talking about how important this game was to his as an in-state kid, as was Chris Moore. And you were talking about kind of looking for answers. I know Eric Mossman, as you mentioned, the latest edition of the Give Me the Hogs Chuck podcast is like, guys got to get in the gym. You got to get in the gym on your own. That's something that's been part of our culture. Guys working relentlessly on their game outside of practice. That's got to improve for sure. That's something that not only at Arkansas, but other guys in Nevada and really anywhere he's coached that they have to do outside of just normal NCAA practice time. Well, and I, I you know, I'm not there and we're not there and I'm not sure, um, you know, how much of that set in frustration. And, um, you know, there, there, there are a lot of things said right after a ball game. I'll just put it that way. And, um, you know, every player's got to do what they have to do to, you know, make their game to where they can contribute. And, um, you know, I, I'm not going to criticize guys for not working on their own because, I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not there. Yeah. But um, certainly that was, that was one of his comments after the game. Well, we kind of touched on it a second ago, but was it as chippy as it appeared on TV that – that game felt like it had a, a lot of contention between the two teams. Did it, did it feel chippy to you there courtside? Oh, it was chippy going into the game. I mean, um, so, you know, that we were talking the other day, who's their biggest basketball rival outside of Kentucky? Right now it might be Auburn. Yeah. You know, I, I think it comes and goes. And, you know, it really was a big deal to them last year. I mean, I can tell you just the Auburn people, you know, the, the, the people, as I call them, there in the arena. Um, that's the first thing they talked about. Hey, last time I saw you, they were rushing the floor. <laughs> last time I saw you, we were just trying to get the hell out of there. I mean, that's what they all said. And so, you know, you, we forget, Wendell Green tore us up Saturday night. The image of Wendell Green at that rush the floor yeah. game was he was trying to get to Devo and fight. And uh, he couldn't because of all the people that were rushing the floor. So, yeah, it was chippy, and and I don't know that as fans. I, I'm I'm sure the staff had an idea. The adults that went, you know, that remembered the year before. I, you know, I think everybody knew what they were thinking, but the kids weren't there. You know, six Auburn players played in that game, and two Arkansas players played in it. So, um, I do think that game was a big motivating factor for them. And, yes, I do think it was chippy, and that was part of the reason why. Tom, Tom Hart tried to paint a picture that, hey, um, these two head coaches don't even like each other. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the sense that if you watch the TV broadcast that you got a feeling that, uh, hey, Bruce Pearl and Eric Musman have no love loss for each other either. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure where that came from, honestly. I went back and heard the, or watched the replay yesterday, and I heard Tom, Tom say that. I, I haven't ever heard any comments to that effect but i think they're both i mean they're both competitors and they both have two of the better programs in our league right now and so they're competing to you know they're compete for recruits i guess and you know you compete on the floor and um so you know and they're both you know they're both pretty animated guys uh you know they they both have the same type relationship with their student bodies so, you know, they're, they're, they're similar personalities in that respect. But I haven't ever heard anything about, you know, I don't, I don't like well, Bruce Pearl. Or both like to like go that. shirtless time to time. Uh, yeah, they'll like take your, their shirt off yeah, every now and then. Yeah, they, you know, and if they don't, that's fine. I've, in fact, I prefer it. I don't really want, I don't really <laughs> want my head coach being chummy-chummy with a team I really want to beat because I'm with you outside of Kentucky. And I think Auburn right now is clearly better than Kentucky and has been for a few years. 
you know, I think Auburn is probably the, sec- the the number two team in this league you'd like to beat the most. Well, the one thing that I will say, and and um, their arena is not very big, but they get after you there. I mean, they get after you there. Feel it. And um, I know we take a lot of pride in our place at getting after them, and we got a big place. And ultimately, it's uh, you know, you got more noise from twenty thousand to ninety one hundred. But when they're right on top of you. When they're right on top of you like they are there, it doesn't matter if there's 9,100 or 100,000. I mean, you're going to hear them. And so, you know, that's a that's a tough place to play. Uh, they take pride in the atmosphere that they present there. And, hey, they just, you know, they kicked, you know, they kicked our butts Saturday yeah. night. And, I mean, that's just how it goes. Some, you know, sometimes you just get whipped, and the Razorbacks did. You know, go ahead. I was going to say, it's not decided. The game, I know that there was 13 points difference and you missed 13 free throws, but he mentioned Anthony Black goes 13 for 16, which was really the key. So that free throw percentage, even though 19 for 32 is not great, could have been a lot worse if Black hadn't hit 13 of his 16 free throws in that game. Well, I mean, yeah, it would have been worse, but, I mean, he did hit 13 of 16. And, uh, you know, the other guys didn't. You know they didn't they didn't make theirs. I, I've you know I've thought all season long. I, I don't I don't think this is a new phenomenon. Frankly, um, all season long there's been two or three, four players that are good free throw shooters, and the rest of them it's kind of hit or miss. And um, you know again it's it's um, it's frustrating. You know um, now nobody shoots a hundred percent at the line. Everybody makes it sound like everybody out there that's good shooting ninety ninety five percent at the free throw line. They're not. Uh, you're gonna miss free throws, but um, you know, to me, the the biggest issue was all the offensive rebounds, the inability to convert those into second chance points, and the live ball turnovers. I thought the points off turnovers, uh, the number for Auburn was disproportionately high for 14 turnovers. Now that's that that's that's too many, obviously, but it, it's not an out of bounds number, but you know, that's almost two points of turnover. And I can tell you from looking at that stat after a lot of games, that's that's a good number of points off turnovers there. And and that was to me that and the you know, missing the missing the chippies yeah. was the biggest difference in the game. Yeah, there was two or three times under the basket where you had tip put back, tip put back on those misses. I mean, that's one reason the the the, the rebounding numbers are to me so out of whack too with the with the outcome of this game. Well, Frankly, when you don't shoot well, sometimes your best offense is shoot it and go get it. Yeah. And that's what uh, it's what Arkansas did some Saturday night, and that's kind of been Auburn's M.O. all year, frankly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought going in, Musk said this on the pregame show, hey, we can talk about anything we want to. Key's going to be who gets the most offensive boards. And if you had had your normal conversion rate on these chippies around the basket, that would have been the difference in the ball game. Because Arkansas did dominate the offensive glass. They didn't convert. They didn't finish. A lot of those chippies had gone in. I don't even know. You know, we might be talking about after a close win, man, you know, you got to make those free throws or it's going to cost you a game. But while that was important and it's easy to point to, um, I think there were other factors that really overrode that, honestly. Would you say there's guys there's probably four or five extra offensive rebounds just on tip putbacks that didn't Absolutely. go in. I mean, so that number of 17 offensive boards, to me, it's not inflated. I mean, it's the correct stat, but, I mean, it really doesn't count because that well, second and third is, one though, on four and one half court. Right, but the point is if you'd made that first one, right. if you'd made that first one, 
Um, there wouldn't you know, be the other three. You know. That's exactly that's, right. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, so. you're right. And I think on on what kind of you're talking about, Arkansas, if these teams continue to zone them, you're going to have offensive rebound chances the rest of the year. Zone blocking out is so much more difficult than man. Anyone that's watched or played basketball knows that. Arkansas is going to have at least 10. If they get zoned this, they'll have at least 10 offensive rebounds a game. Now, they didn't convert these. They did against Missouri. But, I mean, you, I, I don't know. I start, Chuck, you brought up the stat on the latest podcast. I, I can't remember what the layup stat was, but it was horrendous. And that's just so unlike them when you had, they were at one point the number one team in college basketball and finishing at the rim, and they didn't do that Saturday night. Well, I, I mean, you have to remember, too. I, I mean, um, a, a missed tip-in is considered statistically a missed layup. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, like Tommy was saying a minute ago, some of that's a little bit skewed by yeah. just the repeated, uh, you know, tip-in attempts there at the basket. But, you know, there's no doubt that that's been one of the areas where Arkansas has been good. But, you right. know, the teams are better now. We talked about this before conference play began. I mean, uh, the physicality inside is different now. And, you know, what, uh, um, you know, that, that, that first tip-in against one of those non-conference teams is a lot easier to convert than it is against a team like Auburn that's physical up front. So, um, you know, look, this team right now is just going to have trouble scoring. They're going to have to play great defense. They're going to have to score off that defense. They're going to have to force turnovers, live ball turnovers, and convert them on the other end. And they're going to have to get a little bit better at the free throw line. They're not going to go from making 19 of 32 to making 29 of 32. That isn't going to happen. Um, so you got to do it in other ways. Uh, to me, you know, you can still score off that zone. People, you know, the, 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 the common thought is, well, we'll bring them out of the zone by shooting threes. No, you bring them out of the zone by breaking down that zone and getting the ball to the basket and making it easy at the end. Or as you said, Ty, getting an offensive rebound and putting it back up with ease. That's how you get somebody out of a zone. The idea that we're going to shoot somebody out of a zone is far-fetched. That's not going to happen. Uh, you're going to have to break it down to get them out of it. Can you always break that down when you get basically a 20-second half court? You know, you, you know, when, we, when, we, quick. When, we, when we grew up on basketball, you had a, a, a much bigger shot clock. Now they've reduced it, and, and recently it's been six or seven, eight years, whatever it's been now. But you got to remember, if there's any semblance of a press, you know, you might be crossing half court with 21-22 on the shot clock. Breaking down the zone, you just got less time in today's game than you did, you know, a decade ago. Well, you're right about that. And, and um, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons for the longest time, you know, in pro ball you couldn't play zone. You know, they had that 24-second shot clock. You got teed up if you played zone. So Defensive three seconds, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and, and so, you know, basically, you're right. And that you better get the ball to the middle of the floor. You better get the ball to the short corner. And you better have some guys who can cut. Um, you know, Musk talked about this, and that's one of the hidden things within the game. Um, you know, you don't see a lot of really hard cuts to the basket right now. And, uh, you know, if you don't have that, you're, you're, you're sunk in this type offense. So, you know, I think about a guy like Tony. Man, what a hard cutter. I, I mean, that was a guy that could, I mean, you know, he knew what he was doing out there. And I'm not saying these other guys don't, but I'm just saying right now, again, if, if you're going to break down a zone because you can't shoot him out of it, those hard cuts and those things like that are, I mean, that's paramount. If you can't do it, you don't have a chance. 
hey, those of you who are entering 2023 with the idea that I may need to sell my house or I want to buy a different home, I want to recommend Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, to you. Maybe your family grew in 2022 and you need more space. Maybe kids have moved out. You're looking to downsize. Whatever your situation is, you need a real estate professional on your side, someone that's received the best training in the business. Because when they do, they understand the market. And that makes them a better negotiator. And that helps you either get into a better home or get more money for the one you got. Now, I've got an office in Fayetteville, they're in Springdale, they're in Bentonville, they're in Fort Smith, they're in Branson, Missouri. You can log on to WeikertGriffin.com, Weikert Realtors, the Griffin Company. Let's talk to Sean, who's in Fort Smith. Sean, good morning. Well, guys, uh, I have really enjoy listening to your show. I, I listen to it every morning uh, driving in, and uh, it's an honor to be on here with Chuck this morning. Uh, I mean, he just I mean, he breaks everything down. Uh, pretty much uh, what I was going to say, you guys have already talked about, but there's two things that I, that, uh, I, d- I can say, and that's, uh, you know, at the end of the game, I noticed, uh, well, first when we were talking about the love before, but between Bruce Pearl and uh, Musk, I didn't see Muss, and Chuck might correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I've seen uh, Muss go through and just shake his hand, but I may be wrong. And the no, other thing, did. and I'll hang up. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I want to say is, you know, we only used one timeout. We only used one timeout that whole game. You know, I, you know, I don't know if we'd have taken any more timeouts, if, if that helped. And I, and I know that you want to try to leave them, you know, for the end of the game, especially when the game's close, but. Man, that game was hardly ever close. So, you know, I, that that was kind of frustrating to me. And I, I'll just hang up and listen to you guys. I really do uh, enjoy listening to you guys' show, and you guys have a good day. Sean, appreciate the call. Two things. One, I'm kind of like Tommy. Yeah, I don't know if there's a dislike or disdain between Muss and Pearl, but I really don't care if they like each other or not. In fact, I kind of like yeah, – I hope they don't. The, I hope they don't like each other. I hope there's intensity. They're going after the same kids. There are two basketball programs that are on the rise. I kind of hope much doesn't like Bruce Pearl. Second on that, that's his M.O. Muss is known for not calling timeouts in certain situations to save him for the end. I know that might be a situation on Saturday night that you would have wanted, but Chuck, since he's gotten here, that's kind of been his thing, is not wasting those timeouts and certain runs by the other team. He wants his team to figure it out. I, you know, people do have different philosophies on that. Coaches certainly do. Um, I'll say this Saturday night, there was never a point where I thought, man, a timeout sure would help us right here. Um, you know, that to me was, um, there are some games where it's like, man, you know, whether you're watching a game or whether you're at a game or, you know, whatever your situation is as a fan, you watch a run and think, you know, you can hear Dickie V and you're, you know, the back of your mind saying he needs a T.O., baby. (laughs) And, uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes that's called for and sometimes it's not, but, I got to be honest, Saturday night there was no point where I thought, man, if he just called a timeout, things might be a lot better. I, I just um, um, I hear people when they say it, and I get it, and I know lots of people say it. But I think some of that stuff sometimes is overrated because the thing that you don't notice quite as easily is, you know, um, there, there are benefits, long-term benefits, obviously, to playing through timeouts or he wouldn't do it. I, I mean, he's, he's pretty analytical in that stuff. And, um, I mean, there's a reason why he does that. It's, it's not just one of those things where he says, well, by gosh, I'm not calling a timeout. I, I, I don't think it's like that. I mean, I think he's got an analytical reason for his philosophy. 
Um, but I know sometimes you watch the game and you, and you think, man, I wish somebody would do something to stop this. Well, there's eight already built in with the media. Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, there's there's plenty of timeouts in the game. Yeah, and then Four, forty minutes turns into two hours and ten minutes. I mean, there's plenty of timeouts. And then Chuck really loves it. In addition to the media, is when they have the reviews. Well, that's what I'm the saying. Monitor. He really loves Chuck. That's what really turns an hour that. and fifty seven minute <laughs> game, which is where it's supposed to be, into a two hour and ten minute game. Because those guys got to have 13 minutes of air time. Well, when you put your hair gel in, you're looking good. You got to, you know, That's don't want exactly. to waste, don't wanna waste lift, all that effort. You lifted weights all oh, summer. Yeah, push you lifted ups. weights all summer. Yeah. You got that product in your hair. Yeah. You want to be on TV a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, but, but you got to remember, you call timeout, you've also given the other team a timeout. That's exactly you, right. You also let the other coach make the next adjustment. You also make that other, let that other team make that, that uh, substitution that, Maybe they were thinking about, or their big guys getting winded. So the timeout no doesn't it. just benefit your team when you call it. I would say in the game on Saturday night, there's some times where you watch your team play and you feel like they weren't gonna, they're just not gonna lose. I never felt like when Wendell Green hit that and one three to start the game. <laughs> I said we're in for yeah. a long night, a long night, because that's the same kid that was jacking them from 35 feet last year that. Again, as Chuck brought up earlier, was trying to fight Devo Davis. Wood got destroyed in that fight, but he just he cooked you all night, all night, and it wasn't just him. They were there were several. I mean, Flanagan, golly, another Parkview kid killing the Razorbacks. How many Flanagans are there? Uh, a bunch of them. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, uh, can we stop playing a Flanagan? That seems to always it, it just, used to be. Ole Miss was the problem. I know, the Flanagans, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I know that Parkview's got a young man. I think it's Amor Boateng. If I really hope he does not leave this maybe, state. Yeah. I hope he stays in Arkansas. Well, maybe Scotty's turned that that problem. There was a, I would hope so. It's clearly an issue between Flanagan and this program, and all those kids went either. Most of the good Parkview kids went either Ole Miss or and now Auburn. So I mean, it, it, you're right. That that is frustrating to watch to watch and that. And he he was the leading scorer off the bench for the team. And he didn't do anything at home last year. When they played Arkansas. And Wendell Green, again, he made some shots, but he was more erratic than he was efficient. Well, what's, what's the difference? Where the game was played. At home, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, where the game was played. And, I mean, again, they they wanted that. I, I was thinking all week, I, I know that there's two Arkansas players, but like you said, there were six guys on that team last year. They they didn't get embarrassed last year, but no one likes to get stormed on, and that's Ar- what happened. But listen, Arkansas's not alone in losing on the road. No. Uh, this was a decisive victory, but... Chuck, the home teams are clearly dominating these games well, in a small and, sample size. Yeah, so far. and and just you know, just to be honest, I mean, I hate to say it, I, I don't think going into the game Saturday night, both teams were equal, and Auburn won it because you know they had more emotion. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that was the issue. I thought Auburn was better. I think Auburn's are. I I just think the Razorbacks are outmanned right now, and um, you know they're going to have to. And we've talked about this last week, and this is the painful part of it. How you know you've got to reconfigure your offensive identity. You got to rediscover it, so to speak, and you don't do that in one or two games. That's what the month of January is going to be for. Now, if you get Nick back, that's great. But if you don't, you don't. But you know you got to survive till you get there. But unfortunately, you're not going to find a new offensive identity in a game or two. You're just not. It's it's something that's going to be a process through the month of January. I believe that. And Saturday night was a you know was a really unpleasant part of that process um and and you know um we're gonna have to see how it goes against alabama man alabama is really really good arkansas is gonna have to play their best game of the year by far 
by far, if they're going to have a chance to win this game. No doubt. But, you know, January has been a month of figuring it out from us as programs, from us as teams. Um, So, I mean, this doesn't alarm me. This doesn't mean you can't get to the third weekend or the second weekend. You know, let's let's let this thing play out because the best basketball, Chuck, over the last three years has not been played in January anyway. I don't know why we would think it now. No, I mean – I think, and I do believe a lot of this has to do with the hype around the team. Yeah. Uh, you know, what they had a chance to be if Brazil and Smith were both able to go. Um, I think, you know, I think the reaction now has a lot to do with how we felt going in. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V. Bet online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. That's our Arkansas Razorbacks have only played two road basketball games in the conference this season. Haven't fared well in both of them. Two losses, and we've got a lot of them to go. Tommy, what has been Arkansas's biggest issue on the road so far this year? Shooting. I mean, you, you, you know, you can't get the ball in the hole, so... Facing zone defense uh, Saturday night. Couldn't find a way to get those creases or open lanes. So, I mean, I think it's pretty pretty safe to say that when you can't shoot and you can't shoot the three in particular, um, you've got big problems. So, shooting, my number one answer. What about you, Chuck? Shooting, yeah. I mean, I don't – I mean, when you shoot 34 35%, I mean, it's, a plain, it's as plain as the nose on your face. <laughs> I mean, the only thing you get points for is putting it in the basket. And so, uh, that's that's the issue. With, with the soundbite we played earlier with Musk talking about this getting in the gym, you were talking about hard cutting. You think about the last two years. Audis Tony and then Justin Smith were excellent off the ball. Who do you all think is the guy that really needs to step up in that fast in that category that needs to be a really good cutter and, and find ways to score without having the basketball on this Every team? single one of them. I mean, every single one of them. And, and, and I'm not trying to avoid a specific answer, but if you're out there, that's what you do. I mean, it's not one specific guy. It's not, all right, three of you stand around, and Jordan, you cut hard. Um, I mean, it, it's it's got to be everybody on the floor, every single one of them. I mean, you've had fairly consistent, I think it's safe to say, fairly consistent play offensively from Anthony Black and from Ricky Council. You really need Jordan Walsh to come on and be a more consistent player. You're hoping Pinion could become a factor. You know, that may end up being a one-off. We'll see but he didn't have back-to-back games of, of contributing. Well, I, I, let me throw this in. You mentioned Council's name, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not singling him out. I think there are others like this, too. A lot of this isolation stuff that worked in non-conference play is not going to work now. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, you got to cut. I mean, you, you know, you got to do things a little bit harder than maybe you did before. The idea that you're going to take somebody off the dribble um, you know, the, you may have been able to do that a month ago, but you're not going to do it now. And so you got to change up what you're doing, not just him, all of them. Um, you know, you've, uh, again, you don't shoot the other team out of the zone. You break that zone down. 
This team's not a good enough shooting team to just fire away from the perimeter and pull somebody out of a zone. That's the old simple way, and that's not the real way. Um, you know, you got to, again, you got to get it to the middle of the floor. You got to get it to the short corner. You got to cut, and then you got to finish. And, um, um, you know, a lot of that's missing right now. I think uh, one, one last thing on this before we switch it up is Must talking about Anthony Black, and one of the things we discussed last week is him stepping up offensively. He did on Saturday. The atmosphere didn't affect him, and when he saw that we weren't getting much, he took it upon himself to be way more aggressive offensively. We needed him to. So we saw that in Maui. We saw that on Saturday night. Tommy would like to see it the rest of the way as well, and specifically in road games when they really need some more scoring because this team is lacking some of that right now. Passing and, and movement are going to be critical. Going to be critical over the next six, eight weeks. Well, let me say this. There may be some road games where Black scores 23, 26 points and Arkansas wins, but you don't want a situation like it was Saturday where it's Anthony Black against the world. I mean, uh, um, there's lots of teams. There have been lots of sorry basketball teams over the years that had guys averaging 25, 30 points mm-hmm. a game because that's all they had. Um, you don't want Black to be that guy. Um, if the game calls for him to score 25 and you need him to do that to win, that's great. But what happened Saturday night was Black scored 23 points because that's that's basically all we had. Well. From, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how else to put it. So, you know, yes, you need Anthony Black to be a great player, no doubt about it. But the idea that we're going to be better if he scores 25 every time, some nights that'll be true, but but some nights it may not be. And Anthony only had 10 from, I say only, but of his 23, 10 came from the floor, 13 came yeah. from the free throw line. It was as, It was more so about him getting to the free throw line than it was about him making shots. Yeah, I think he was 5, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, I think he was 5 of 15. 5 of 11. Five of eleven. All right, yeah. pardon me. So yeah. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being five of eleven. Nope. That's not a bad percentage. But uh, um, no, you're right. I, I mean, he and look, that's Arkansas's game. You know, you got to get to the foul line. That's one of the reasons when you go 19 of 32, it's not good because part of attacking that zone's getting to the free throw line. And um, you know, Black had the ball in his hands, and fortunately, he's a good free throw shooter. All right, that's your Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily Question. Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at redriverdodge.com. This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning Rush is presented by Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Professional people, professional service. Schedule your service appointment today at gopascal.com. I want to continue the conversation where we had it here for a second. Chuck, I thought one of the things that was inside the game was you had Devo pick up two fouls early. And we know what Musk likes to do when you get two fouls in the first half. You watch the rest of the first half. Then you had Anthony Black get two fouls. And that was around the nine-minute mark, if I remember right. And Musk had to make a decision there. I mean, you got into a situation where you had Devo and you had Anthony Black, both with two fouls in the first half. And that puts you in a point with who's going to handle the ball if both of those guys are out. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a bad situation. I mean, those are two guys that, um, you know, when Devo got the the second foul, um, came out of the ball game, um, you know, that certainly changed things from a defensive standpoint. But, um, you know, it, it's when you don't have a lot of guys who can handle the ball and score and you get two guys who, you know, theoretically can, 
I mean, it, it, it certainly changes what you do. And, and I thought, you know, those were key developments. And sometimes when you can't shoot, you can't score, a lot of the tenets you hold true, like, hey, if he gets sacked two fouls, he's not playing the rest of the half, you may have to abandon that a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and he did. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I mean, that's just um, – and, and, and the game dictates that. Where you are dictates that. And, and there was – I mean, from a scoring perspective in that situation, um, desperation's not the word, but, man, I, I mean, you needed to find somebody who could score, and, and you just didn't have a whole lot of candidates. And so there again, I mean, you may not like to do it, but in certain situations you might have to. So if you're a player on this basketball team, and I heard Eric Musselman talking about it after the game that there's been points where they're not they need more passes or whatever. How do you balance trying to be more aggressive because the offensively the output's not exactly there right now versus not not forcing it? I mean that's a difficult line when it comes to college basketball with the defenses you play. How do you balance that? Well, you. I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about. I think you've, you've, you know, you got to run your offense. And it's not just about the guy with the basketball. Uh, it's about what the guys away from the ball are doing. We're talking about the cutting. We're talking about all that stuff. I mean, um, you know, when you talk about aggressiveness, uh, it doesn't just mean that when you get the basketball, you take off and, you know, barrel into the lane and hope something good happens. Uh, that's not being aggressive. That's being stupid. So I mean you've uh, uh you've you've got to do it within the framework of your offense and um you know aggressiveness um again I mean the four guys that don't have the ball need to display it in the same fashion the guy with the ball does. Yeah, because what we're seeing in the game particularly the last couple of years but even as much this year on display as, as any previous games when you are the offensive player and you go like you say barreling in and you create all that contact they're not rewarding you with a foul. If, if if the defender's legal and you're just driving in hoping to create contact, that's either going to be an offensive foul or a no call. And that's what we're seeing is legal defenders not being penalized just because you went in there and, you know, just hoping to get something. That's not happening, you know, like 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 we might expect it to happen. At yeah, least. I mean, teams that are really good at attacking the rim and finishing at the rim, again, I, I mean, the four guys that don't have the ball are working just as hard as the guy that does. Um, that's, that's, that's how you get easy baskets. Uh, the idea again, that, you know, the onus is on the guy with the ball. Um, you know, all that does lead yeah. to a turnover yeah. most of the time, to be real honest. You know, we were talking earlier about this offensive rebound number. They had 17 in the game. That doesn't really pair or go along with a, with a team that lost oftentimes. And there was a lot of rebound tip putbacks that didn't go in. And that number's probably inflated because of the number of tip putbacks that didn't go in. You know, a lot of things that were happening earlier in the year where you were dominating that and that, that number around the rim, tie you were bringing up, you were getting dunks. You know, you're just not getting – and some of that's fast breaks. Some of that's transition. But, uh, but guys, you're, you're not seeing this team get the dunks around the basket that they did. And that, that's the level of competition. But that's bigger one, dudes. That's one of the dudes. things that's changed as you've moved into conference play. You're playing bigger front lines, and you're not getting the dunks in the easiest of easy around the basket. You know, I wish, uh, you know, I like the way Makai Mitchell plays inside. Um, and, um, you know, be nice to have two or three of those guys playing inside the way he does. And I'm not knocking anybody else. I'm saying that, you know, as a compliment to him. I, I just think that, you know, those are the kinds of guys you need in there if you're going to finish and if you're going to have 
the opportunities for and ones and offensive rebounds that you convert. Um, you know, it's 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 not as we saw. It's not just enough to get the offensive rebound. Uh, it, you know, it's great when you do, but it, it, you know that's that that by itself doesn't get you any points. Uh, you know, you've you've got to have the athleticism and. You got to know. I mean, it sounds simple, but I mean, you got to, you know, know how to configure your body. Uh, I mean, there's absorb contact and still get the ball in the basket, and um, the good ones make it look easy. With Arkansas being such a poor three-point shooting team, from what we've seen to this point, those differentials that you just brought up, you have to win those every game. That well, has you, to be. You, an, yeah, I mean, that, that's 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 part of it, no doubt. That is an area where you cannot fall behind in second chance points offensive rebounds, basically cup attempts, which is layups and anything near the rim. When you find yourself, again, going 2 for 16 from the three-point line, you make up for that with that inside game, which you didn't have on Saturday night. And free throws. Yeah. You make up for it with free throws as well. Which you're 207th, and I hope they get better. Right now you're 207th in college basketball in free throw percentage. You're shooting about 70% as a team. But a lot of that has been Ricky Council and Anthony Black you want to look at the overall team aspect, not for those guys. Your free throw percentage will be a lot lower. A lot of these guys got to be better at converting these attempts. Well, get, they're getting held up by some of the other players. A lot of that's game by game, too. I mean, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Auburn's free throw percentage was not as good as Arkansas's going into that game. So, I mean, some of that's game by game. Some of it's where you play. Um, you know, it's amazing how those numbers seem to, again, always be a little bit lower at home and your free throw per, on the road, I'm sorry, and your free throw percentage is always a whole lot higher at home. So some of that's game by game. Um, and, and it's amazing how in competition some guys will make free throws in a clutch situation when they don't normally make them, uh, you know, your side and theirs. I mean, if you watch enough games, you see that a lot. So some of that's game by game. But, you know, obviously Saturday night they didn't, you know, they didn't make enough of them. Tommy, you're talking about size, for example, Arkansas plays Bama this Wednesday. You've got that clowny kid that's about 6'10". They've got their center who was eating Oscar Shibway alive Saturday, who's about 7 foot. And then that Brandon Miller kid's about 6'7", 6'8". This is maybe the tallest front line that you played all season. And that's that's not. I mean, Tennessee's <laughs> you got some. Foul trouble. Tennessee's got need. some dudes. I mean, yeah. our, and as much as Arkansas has length, which you do, and that's what Eric Musselman really harped on in the off season. It's not like the other SEC teams didn't do that exact same thing. Perfect example: who you play Wednesday night, and it's it's who's got the best big men too. I mean, you may have some depth, but there's there's clearly uh, some some levels to that. So, and that's one area when you, at least from this one game you look at, that's where the free throws uh, were a struggle was with the big guys. So I. Coming back to free throws for a second, I mean, you look at a season percentage and you look at, you know, game percentages, these games are going to be tight, guys. I think we realize, and I know Saturday nights didn't turn out to be where the last four minutes necessarily decided the game, but a lot of these games will be that way. How do you shoot in the last four minutes? I don't know who keeps up with that. I bet someone on those, uh, of all those GAs and managers and people on that bench, someone's probably keeping up with that next level stat. But, Chuck, it's what you do in the last four minutes of the game at the free throw line that's probably going to determine winning and losing, not just because that's winning time, but we don't focus enough on that number. And are you shooting 90% or so in the last four minutes? That's where it really counts. Oh, you're right. I mean, there are lots of games that are parades to the free throw line at the end. I mean, particularly when you've got mediocre teams playing. 
that uh, um, you know that are not great shooting teams because that's the way they win. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I mean, lots of games are like that. You're right. I mean, what you do in the last, I mean, you can be a 70, 75, 80 percent free throw shooter. Being an eighty percent free throw shooter means you miss two of ten. Well, if one of those twos in the last four minutes of the game, all that matters. Uh, you know that yeah. matters a lot. Yep. We we focus on the the overall number, right? And it's important. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. what's really important is how you do. You know, when it comes to when it's winning time. I think it's also. I mean, we got a. You brought this up in hour one, Tommy. You played a ranked team on the road at home. I mean, this is, Arkansas, I know, was technically favored. Who was, who was fighting to stay ranked. Yeah. and it's, Well, they'd won 26 in a row in their building. Right. 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 The the, you know, they're not chopped liver. Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to bring up is the fact that they got 20-plus wins at home in that place. So, I, I honestly— They were laying in wait on you. They, this was yeah. a game they had circled. I mean, this was, this was important. It, it came through the TV, Chuck. You were there, but it came through the TV back here at home that— you know, this was important to their fans. It was important to their students who appeared to show up. Uh, it was important to their team to win this game. Basketball is important at Auburn now, and it hasn't always been that way. And, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if you were to say, would you rather win the SEC in football or basketball, well, everybody down there would say football. But uh, basketball is really important to them, and they do show up. And, uh, you know, when you play in a 91-seat building, um, and you have it configured the way they do, where there is, I mean, every, the worst seat in the house, man, you're pretty close. I mean, it's really that intimate. They have created a genuine home floor advantage there, and it's as genuine as any team that plays in a 20,000-seat arena, us included. Uh, they uh, they got it going down there right now in that respect. And, you know, I don't care how good a player you are. Um, you know, you've got to be ready for the big stage. Um, you know, Anthony Black is one of those kind of guys. He was not intimidated by the big stage on uh, Saturday night. Well, we got two guys that aren't playing right now that I think fall into that category. And everybody else, I think at times, has been intimidated a little bit by the big stage. I don't know how else to put it. That's as honest as I can be. Um, and, you know, that's what life on the road's like. And, you know, Anthony Black said this in the post game, and I agree with him on this, and I don't think it's a self-serving statement. You know, he said, you know, hey, we're a ranked team. We got a bunch of guys. We know every time we play there's going to be a lot of people there. You know, it's going to be a full house wherever we are. And he's right. And um, so, you know, you've got to be prepared for that, and you've got to embrace that. And I think they got to – I think the two places they've played, LSU first and particularly Auburn, I think they've gotten an idea about what it's going to be like. I mean, Alabama's chanting NIT at Kentucky. Uh, I mean, they're in midseason form right now. I mean, they're going to, you know, they're going to go places where they're going to be brutal, just like our people are brutal. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, you've got to be prepared for that. And I don't know in these first two road outings if they've been as prepared as perhaps they needed to be. I do know this about being prepared, that if you're part of the Pascal Plan Protection Program, you're going to be prepared for whatever the weather brings because your HVAC system is going to be ready to go. If it's cold, you're going to be ready. When the warm weather rolls around, you're going to be ready. When it gets really cold and you're worrying about your pipes, you're going to be ready. You can log on to gopascal.com. What the Plan Protection Program does is it guarantees you seasonal tune-ups, it guarantees you priority in your scheduling, it gets you in the program, so to speak, and they're going to make certain 
that your system is maintained before the problems arise. That's what professional people do, and that's what professional service is all about. It's why they've been around for over 50 years. It's why they're expanding into pretty much every part of Arkansas right now. And I think your experience is going to be what people's experiences have been for 50 years, that professional people and professional service matter. So for all your HVAC needs, log on to GoPascal.com. JT and Hot Springs bring up a player, Chuck, that you just referenced. That's Nick Smith Jr. So Eric Musselman talks about last week they might miss the rest of January. This is from Jeff Goodman saying that for those that think he isn't coming back, I've been told by a source close to the situation that Smith is expected to return in February as long as he's 100%. Now, if that's indeed true, they're going to have that adjustment period when he comes back to get him and the rest of the team in the rhythm of things. But I, I don't think the... I know Muss isn't thinking this way, but I hope fans aren't thinking that they just hold out that they this team just needs to hold out till Nick gets here. Because if you buy into that, I think you're going to be left one. This team needs to figure out between now and then if he comes back how they're going to score offensively and put up points. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think as you say, I don't think your strategy should be let's wait until Nick gets back. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I have, I, I have no idea, and and quite honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm not going to say I don't care because that wouldn't be true. But I'm going to, you know, I when I go to the arena, if they say, hey, he's playing, great. If he's not, that's not anything I didn't expect. Are fans even still thinking? I mean, I, I know one, people want to know about him and whether or not he'll be healthy and come back and be a factor. to but I don't think game to game fans are even thinking no. anymore about him being a factor. You're it, right. I don't want to say you've written him off. That's 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 too strong. But it's it's almost like in the short term you've you've written him off. Well, no, I I don't think that is going too far in the way a lot of people think. I you know there are a lot of people that think he's done. He's not going to play this year, and this is all you know window dressing. And uh, you know we're just uh, you know we're just teasing him. Uh, I know a lot of people think that way. I would go so far as to say I think a majority of Razorback fans think that today. I would say uh, I'm they not think counting they're being on him. teased. I would just say and, I'm not counting on him anymore. Right, and and uh, um, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think fans get up in the morning on game day anymore and say, "I wonder if Nick Smith's going to play." I think it's an old, tired story, frankly, mm, for them. I agree. Well, based on the way Eric Musman framed it, I think the expectation, just like Goodman has, is that if he does play, it's not going to be for another month. Now, prior to his statement that he made last week, I think there might have been a few more fans that were on pins and needles as he's going to play tonight. But after that, I don't think the game-to-game -game that you're talking about, I don't think any fan is thinking that way. I got someone that keeps asking me, and I don't know how this all factors in. I can't believe this wouldn't be handled. But is he enrolled in school? Will he be in class when the semester starts? And I know there's distance learning and things around that, but if you're in L.A. working on your knee, you know, to be eligible to play basketball, you got to be a student athlete. So that is a, you know, a reasonable question to ask because that may they may that may give you all the insight you want. I can't help but imagine that with all the academic advisors and all those people that that's not been taken care of. But that is a reasonable question to ask: is will he be enrolled as a student for the spring semester? I'm sure he will be. I'm you know, but uh, I mean you know they're between semesters now. Right. I mean you know fables. You know, there's there's some of them in these little semesters they have now, but but most of the students are still gone. So, I I I I wouldn't read anything into that part of it. 
he uh, he will be taken, to your point, Tommy, it'll be just online courses. I wouldn't think there's going to be any sort of, if you're asking what type, it will be online courses. There won't be any in-person classes that he'll be taking this semester. Well, I no, we, don't, you know, we don't know that. I, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't uh, um, you know, we can we can delve into stuff here that we know just enough about to be wrong. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what his class load situation would be like, but I would, I would fully expect him to be enrolled this semester. Yeah. Yes, I'm just saying when you hear he's in L.A. and the campus is in Fayetteville, I, I mean, those are but those schools are, out. Yeah, the school is out right now yeah. to what the 18th or what, what whatever day it is. I think they it's next week come back middle I of next track. week. So, but uh, yeah, I mean that that's a reasonable thing to to ask about and and i don't know that anyone can really follow that too much but we'll we'll see you know if we learn more as the academic semester uh starts to unfold it's football playoff and bowl season at your neighborhood buffalo wild wings with 64 inch tvs everywhere cold beer delicious burgers and you know wings buffalo wild wings is the best choice to watch all the playoff and bowl games so bring the game and join us this playoff and bowl season at our conway little rock sherwood bryant and fort smith locations buffalo wild wings your home for the big games roar first western bank We are more than just a bank. We are your partner for all your financial services. First Western has real professionals with years of experience in banking, mortgage, insurance, and investments. From financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products, mortgages, and small business banking. First Western with locations throughout Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and online at firstwestern.com. Exceptional financial services all in one place. First Western Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. Tommy, you just brought up the football season ticket renewal information that we got in our hog updates. Starting March the 1st is the deadline this year. 2023, getting you ready for that. Not the same home schedule you had last year, but still Mississippi State, Auburn, the game. Those are the two SEC teams you got coming in Missouri, I guess, would be yep. the other one. I remember uh, the deadline used to be April 1, and it's, it's been moved up, I think, since COVID. They, they moved that deadline up to March 1 uh, to renew your tickets. So that email went out yesterday. Some probably went out this morning. So your season ticket holder in football will be looking out for that to, uh, to get the same seats or maybe improve your seating for this next season. Arkansas running back, former Razorback running back Peyton Hillis uh, is still in intensive care following his accident in Pensacola, Florida. Chuck, you mentioned last week how he was airlifted to the hospital. He's had some minor improvement. I know they've got a, um, a they had a Sunday night prayer vigil at uh, Shiloh Christian last night, but apparently he's got some issue with his kidneys right now or that a concern from, for his health moving forward. Yeah, I, I just know what I read. You know, kind of like everybody else. I mean, it was uh, what a heroic act would be the first thing that you think about. And um, I know a lot of people are continuing to think about him and certainly uh, certainly hope it, 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 it gets better. And you know, one of the reports was he was still coughing up sand, you know, from where he had yeah, ingested the sand in the seawater. Yeah. I don't know. Um, um, you know, I, I don't know what qualifies as sand. Is it salt water or is it? I, I, I mean, I don't know that. Uh, um, I read that too, but yeah. um, I'm it's not, not sure. good. I know yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously there are some issues there. All right, more Razorback football news. They've got a couple commits lately, including two Baylor guys. Uh, 
Chuck, this is going to be an interesting one. I'm going to let you try it. Alfinum Walcott and Lorando Johnson. Larry's a little easily, but that might be a name that you got to memorize heading into this season. Two guys from uh, Baylor that are coming over. And then also Dominique Bowman has left the Razorback staff. I think a lot of people expected that, but that was reported over the weekend as yeah, well. Yeah, and I think that was, you know, Chuck, you may know more than I do, but from what I understand, that, that had been several days ago, and, and I don't think that was... I don't think that occurred over the weekend. I think he'd been out of the building for a few days at that point. Yeah, I just think this is all part of the reconfiguration of your personnel. I mean, in terms of your, uh, you know, your players and your coaches, you got a new, you know, you got new co-coordinators on defense. So, I mean, with that generally comes staff changes and obviously with the transfer portal now, I mean, you're going to have a roster makeover every year. So I, I, I just think both these, all these things are, are, you know, part of that retooling process, which is ongoing. It's by no means done. Last thing here in your hog update, Miles Slusher apparently has changed his commitment going from Louisville to Colorado, the former Razorbacks. It looks like he's going to play for Deion Sanders up there in Boulder. Yeah, and that tells you that a uh, portal commitment's not always a solid portal commitment until mm-hmm. it's, it's done. So, I mean, we've, we've seen a case or two like this where someone changes their mind after committing to one school in the portal. It's no different than the, uh, the high school process where – people decommit as well yeah i mean they're not sitting at a desk with a bunch of hats in front of them like those no. high school kids are but yeah they uh they change their minds too that's gonna do it for your hog update it's brought to you by mr sparky you don't have to put up with any malarkey called 888-8-SPARKY we'll do this a little more in hour three but we haven't touched on the national championship just yet i think it's kind of a destiny dynasty. Georgia's been in three of the last five national championships. Some believe that TCU is the team of destiny this year, the way they pulled certain games out. Tommy, we brought up earlier, the SEC's been every single national championship since 2006, with the exception of 2014. This is a, a parallel, Chuck, tonight that you could not find two more different teams in college football than that will face off tonight in Inglewood. Well, they're both, uh, you know, they've, they, they've both obviously done enough to get here. So however they've done it, you know, you got to give them credit. I think one of the things that, you know, sometimes we lose sight of is just how good Georgia is. And it's because we don't play them every year. Um, you know, let's say this was Alabama playing TCU. And Alabama was as good as Georgia is this year. And, you know, we played them every year, obviously. Um, you know, we might not think 12 and a half's enough, you know. But because we don't see Georgia every year, it's like, well, I don't know, you know. But Georgia's just like Alabama used to be. I mean, when Alabama was in the heyday, when they were and, – and, you know, we're not that far removed from it. I'm not making it sound like it's the golden era. But, you know, when Alabama got a defensive turnover and scored, I mean, you could start the bus. The game was over. Didn't matter if it was in the first quarter. Didn't matter if you were two minutes into the game. When they forced a turnover and scored off of it, it was over. Georgia's the same way now. Georgia's the same type team. TCU is going to have to play a whole lot better than they did against Michigan, and they play great against Michigan. Michigan's not Georgia, you know. Uh, Michigan's good, and um, I—I'll be honest. I thought Michigan would win that game going in, but they didn't. But Michigan's not as good as Georgia. To put it in basketball terms, this feels to me like you got a one seed playing like a nine seed in basketball for the national championship in in basketball. That's kind of what it feels like with TCU. I know they've had a better year than that, but you know, their underdog nature. It doesn't feel like they're one of the best four or five teams in the country by name. That's probably not fact, but I think a lot of people feel like this is a decided Cinderella story here. Well, part of it, when 
we talk about the matchup is the brands. Yep. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, part of it is. I mean, Georgia's much more of a you know, much more of a traditional brand football wise than what TCU is. But it's one game. I mean it's one game. And um, you know, TCU's got a you know, they've 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 got a shot tonight. And Georgia's a prohibitive favorite, and so TCU just goes in there and lets it fly. And I'm sure they will. But, you know, I think and Tommy, you and I talked about this. I thought the line would move a little bit based mm-hmm. on the emotion with TCU, but it hasn't. And that tells you that, you know, the betters are still bullish on Georgia. And, you know, you look at um you know, you look at that Georgia defensive front, and it's every bit as good as some of those vintage Alabama fronts were. And, you know, again, I I think if this was Alabama in its heyday, we'd all be probably a little more sold on the favorite than perhaps we are tonight. You know, we made our picks on Friday, and one of the national one of the games we picked in the fifth man picks was the national championship game. We felt like twelve and a half or thirteen, whatever it was, was too much. But you know, the the closer I get to game time, the more I really are, my my guts talking me into a Georgia could just blow this thing wide open. I'm thinking the same thing. That that's that's exactly the way I think that. You know, Georgia, when you get right down to it, boy, it'd be hard to bet against them. So it'd be a letdown based on how great the semifinals were? I mean, Yeah, I have... mean, because we, we were really treated to, to two great games. Now, I don't know how – you guys tell me, is playing all the way out on the West Coast a factor for the for at all in this game? The fact that you're so removed from the, the base of your fans, the, the, the travel, different time zones, all, how, how does that factor or does it at all factor into – the product tonight on the field well the reason you're playing there is so you know theoretically you've got a neutral field and nobody's got a home field advantage you know georgia has an advantage when they play in atlanta there's no doubt about that it's like a home game for them um tcu does not have that massive fan base that uh you know georgia's gonna have but um i don't know that it really has any effect on it both teams have been out there both teams have been you know, they've had plenty of time to get acclimated to everything. So, you know, theoretically, when you do this, you you know, you do have a true neutral site, and I think it will be. Yeah, I, I wonder how many fans did travel, but uh, oh, I think a lot of I think a lot of people did. Yeah, so, I, you know, I think a lot of people are uh, from Georgia, and proportionately, I think a large percentage of TCU fans will be there too. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. Go 
Have you tried Binville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Binville Brewing. One of those athletes is Anthony Black, who had, like in Maui, one of his better games offensively of the season. Did have some turnovers. There were some times that Wendell Green and company got to him. But, Chuck, you said it earlier, and I'll I'll play the audio clip in a sec. The fact that teams are going to be looking to beat Arkansas all season thanks to that number next to their name. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you could certainly see that reflected in the game Saturday night. Uh, I was not at LSU. I was at the Liberty Bowl, but all you had to do was watch the replay to see that, you know, they were ready for a ranked team to be in their arena. And, you know, you've got players on this team that have gotten a lot of pub and people know their names and know about them and know their potential and know their stars. You know, if, uh, if you've got Arkansas in town, um, you know, you might be more inclined to go watch some stars play as opposed to a team that doesn't have that. So, yeah, they're going to face that every time they go on the road. Here's how Anthony described it after the game. When you put yourself in a hole on the road, it's pretty hard to come back and win. Just who we are, what type of players we have, I mean, every game is going to be sold out. You know, they're all going to play their best game against us, and crowd's going to have a lot of energy. So we just got to come in and, and start our road games better off. The start is really what's killing us, to be honest. So you still have some hostile road matchups coming up, including at Alabama and at Tennessee. Now that's at the back end of the season. You play Alabama this Wednesday night at home, then you'll go back-to-back road games at Vanderbilt and then at Missouri. But this team has shown that they play a lot better at home than they have on the road. Most teams are like that. And they've got a great opportunity in front of them on Wednesday night. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. Go ahead, Tom. I was say Alabama's up to number six in the net rankings. If you pay attention to those, Arkansas dropped down to 16 after the, uh, the loss to Auburn. So um, it will be interesting. I mean, this, this, by all accounts, will be a top 15 matchup on Wednesday night, Chuck. Well, every game's different, and it's amazing how one game on your home floor can look night and day different from the game you just played on the road, and that's kind of how it works for Arkansas, and it, you know, uh, hope it's that way for Alabama on Wednesday night, because they sure look good playing Kentucky at home on Saturday, but um, again, you know, Arkansas's going to have to play their best game of the season uh, Wednesday night to have a chance to win, and unfortunately, you know, you don't have all your all, all the bullets in your gun. And uh, you're a different team than you were at the start of the year. But I've seen Alabama play some great games this year, and I've seen Alabama play a game or two where it's like, what in the world are they doing? So um, life's different on the road, and Alabama's going to find that out Wednesday night. Let's talk to Charlie, who's in Camden this morning. Charlie, good morning. Speaking of that, Chuck, I don't think their one road game that they played in the SEC, I don't think they played too well. I don't remember who it was. I think they lost, and so they beat Mississippi State on the road earlier yeah, this year. It's, it's just hard to, it's just hard to do it. I, I will say this though, guys, we can't go nineteen and thirty-two from the free throw line. You know, I'm sitting on Twitter, everybody's blaming the refs. I'm like, you can't blame the refs. You shot nineteen of thirty-two from the free throw line, and guys, I don't know how many layups they missed, but it seemed like a lot. And I just don't. When you can't do what you do well in a game and do it well, if, if you get what I'm saying, I mean, it's going to be a long night. I mean, we already know this team isn't a great three-point shooting team, and it just is what it is. But, Chuck, you you know, I think a lot of people are starting to see what the loss of Trayvon Brazil 
means and it's and it's not that we can't figure out a way to you know i'm not saying replace it but it's just hard when you have a, a guy who can play what two three through five and probably guard any position on the court and then we don't have a big guy now that can shoot the three we don't have a big guy with that type of skill and that's just tough to replace when you build your team and your offense around nick smith and trayvon brazil and now it's just like Bus is trying to figure it out, and I think it's going to take time, but not counting them out yet, guys. Uh, protect home court. We got a great chance Wednesday. We do because we're home, and I think if uh, – the thing is, they did a good job of protecting the ball. I'll tell you what, Auburn's not a very good three-point shooting team either, and they just – they made shots. The other night. You're right. And it was their night. So, anyway, the game – we got to make our layups, and we got to make our free throws. That just is what it is. Anyways, guys, I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Hey, uh, let me throw something in right there. That's a uh, that's a good call. Those are good points. And and you talk about the difference in shooting at home as opposed to on the road. Wendell Green was three for his last twenty three from beyond the arc going into that ball game Saturday night. He stepped up there on his own floor, made a three pointer fifteen seconds into the ball game, and you could start the bus. And, I mean, that was that. And um, so I mean, it's different when you play at home. And you know, Auburn when you look at their numbers, they're a shell of what they were last year in terms of their perimeter shooting. They're not anything close, but they had a role in Saturday night, and that's why I say every game's different, and that's why you can look at these percentages on a season basis, and that's all well and good. But, um, you know, look at those percentages in ranked matchups. Look at those percentages when you're playing the really good teams. Um, you know, some of that stuff gives you a much better picture than what somebody's overall percentage is because, um, you know, um, big gamers play big games. I mean, they just do. And sometimes, a lot of times, it seems that happens when you're on your home floor. I don't get a sense this fan base, I'm talking about Arkansas, is freaking out right now because of the last two years. Oh, no. If you didn't have prior precedent, if you didn't have these uh, two seasons uh, before to kind of show you that this team and, and struggle. I don't. I mean, that might be a word, but they haven't been good on the road and struggle. I guess is a word you can use. Then maybe this fan base is more up in arms. But I mean, I just I think a lot of people didn't expect to win on Saturday night. This uh, is basketball. It's not football. You can't apply a football mentality to it. That every game's life or death. It's not. And I'm not saying that you know it's good to go on the road and get beat. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in basketball, you can survive things like that. You can survive a poor stretch on the road, multiple games. Football, you can't do that. Uh, you know, you lose two or three in the on the road in football, your season's shot. You know, you do that on basketball, you 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 know, you still got a chance. We've seen it happen here. So, um, you know, this is the early part of January. There's still 15 conference games, an SEC Big 12 matchup, conference tournament. You know, there's a lot left to go, and so. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, you just discount this. I'm not saying that at all because we're seeing trends. There's no doubt about it. But um, I do think that, you know, part of what's going on right now is retooling after losing a couple of guys that you thought were going to provide most of your punch for you. And just, for example, I mean, Auburn goes to Georgia this past Wednesday and loses. Yeah, they get and then, beat. then they host Arkansas and win. So I, I think a lot of people have the expectation that I don't know if 100% is going to win. But, Tommy, I, mean, I think that Arkansas fans – feel great about this game Wednesday well, night. You, you had an expectation with this team of being a Final Four caliber team with Nick Smith and 
And we didn't know Trevor Brazil before the season was going to be the impact mm-hmm. he was in the time he got to play. The thing we got to step back now and do, guys, is is this team the way it's configured and just assume Nick Smith is not going to be a factor, is it as good, close, better than, just behind? Where do you think it is in the last couple of teams that Moss had that did make the Elite Eight, that did make the second weekend? And I think when you look at this team, while it's younger than maybe some of those more veteran-laden teams in the past couple of years, Chuck, I think people would, would say this team's pretty close to what you've had the last two years, the way it sits today. Well, you know, if they had to, you know, if you were configuring the tournament right now, you know, would you say Arkansas is going to make a deep run? Don't know. Uh, I mean, they're certainly not what they were with those two guys. you still got a couple of months to, you know, retool and figure it out and get in the tournament and, you know, go do what you can do. So I, I don't uh, – I just think it's going to be different. I think they're having to read – you know, they're going to have to rediscover who they are and retool and – may have to go with some different combinations problem is you know they're just not a there's not an abundance of candidates once you get past that you know a certain number of guys so um but uh, you know i i think that uh, you're right when you look at the teams that made the elite eights i mean they had struggles too this time of year so i mean the surprise to me would be this whole thing falls apart and they play their worst basketball in march that would be the surprise of it because as you've said, and we, and we all know that history says Eric Musselman's teams will get better, that we can't overreact to what we're seeing now, which is a tough road loss and a tough place to play at Auburn. Um, you, you just can't overreact. Here's the, the thing you got to remember. Here's the thing you got to remember, and I always think about this, and I'll say it again. When you get to the tournament, it's all on neutral floors. It's all on neutral floors. And it's only when you get to the really big games, I'm just going to tell you, it's only when you get to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight that the building's full. Building's not full the other times. Uh, Now, if we have a game close by, we'll fill it up. But very seldom in those early round games is that arena full. It's a neutral floor. And so um, things are different then, too. This kind of changes the dynamic. But to Chuck's point, I think Arkansas fans were kind of hoping – I mean, you were a three seed two years ago, a four seed last year. The expectation with Nick Smith you were talking about, and then the addition of Trevor Brazil, who no one thought he'd be this good, was like, all right, this team's now Final Four caliber. Now you're going to have to readjust and kind of think and do what you just did. Is this team better than Moses Moody-led team two years ago? Is this team better led than the J.D. Note team last year? Right now, I think it's a definitive no, but then you can say, I mean, Again, this I don't is, think it's a I definitive. Don't, I, don't, I mean, is Anthony Black on the same level as a couple of those guys? I, I don't know yet. I mean, we, we, we evaluate them as their oh, finished I think product. He is. I but, think he is. And you may be right, but, I, but the you know, when you look at Moses Moody or you look at Jalen Williams or you look at Isaiah Joe, you know, we think about them as the finished product we saw in March. We we don't know how good Anthony Black, he may be better than those guys by the time it's over here. Well, that's what I'm saying right now. Yeah. Because to this point, I, I, in my opinion, I mean, you haven't seen this team on the road, and the only two road atmospheres they played, they hadn't been able to shoot the basketball. Well, they hadn't been able to throw in the ocean. As, so, as, as I said earlier, we got to wait till we get about six games in, um, and then we can make some... We can have some well, firmer opinions. We need six. We need a third of the SEC schedule under our belt to have really a solid footing to, to make statements on. I think there were a lot of people that thought Arkansas was just going to win every game. You know, they were going to win every game. Or, or you know, lose two or three. And it was going to be that type team, and they were just going to overwhelm everybody. And, hey, if you have those two guys fully healthy right now, that may be what we'd be seeing. But we don't. 
And so as a consequence of that, I mean, you're going to have to you're going to have to retool. And yeah, you can sign, you know, you're not signing guys like free agency in the off season, but it's almost that way. The difference is in pro sports, if you lose guys, you can sign new players. College ball, you can't. You got to dance with what you got. And I don't worry about Anthony Black. Um, I think Anthony Black's, he had no fear. He has no fear. Uh, there wasn't any ounce of fear in him on Saturday night. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take a few more guys playing like that. I think the deal with Anthony is you saw a few turnovers in that game, and I, I can't think of this Alabama point guard, but he was taking Severe Wheeler as a veteran in this league, and he was eating Severe Wheeler's lunch on Saturday. And that's one thing to do at home but on the road. And with some of these smaller point guards that Anthony has the height advantage in, I'm curious when they get in his body and when they're pressing him and stuff, if he has those turnovers, especially on the road like he did against Auburn. He had points-wise, he was great. But he did have some turnovers that led to some easy Auburn buckets that I think that need to be eradicated if you want to have those really quality finishes down the stretch. Guys, good teams lose on the road. Great teams lose on the road. I mean, let's 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 not act like this is something that's just totally out of the norm. I mean, that's how college basketball works. That's I mean, they're night teams are night and day different at home on the road. I mean, that's just and and you know what kind of what kind of solution there is to that. I mean, they've been playing basketball a long time, but nobody's completely figured it out yet. If you've got great players, you've got a chance to be a good road team. I think Alabama's got a chance to be a good road team. And that's why I say I, I, I don't uh, – um, Bud Walton's going to help Wednesday night. I'm not saying that. But I don't expect Alabama to fall apart on the road like some teams do. They're, they're really good. And that's why I say they're, Arkansas is going to have to play their best game of the year by far have a chance to win Wednesday night. I think when you stack up the schedules from last season to this year, Arkansas had the benefit of the big games, Kentucky, Auburn. You had to go on the road to Tennessee, but you also got them at home, Mississippi State. Some of these bigger games, you played them at home, and you do get Alabama on the road and Kentucky, Alabama on the road and at home, but you've got Auburn on the road, just Auburn. You've got Tennessee on the road, just in Knoxville. The schedule, I think, favored Arkansas more last year than it did this year because I don't remember an early st- stretch of three straight ranked opponents last year like you did this early in a conference play this year. Well, you know, I think you can analyze it and maybe, you know, overanalyze this. I, I-, I just think this is early January and a lot of time left and um i'm not again i'm I'm not dismissing what happened saturday night because i do think we're seeing trend lines and i think that's something that um you know you can't ignore but um i also think there's a danger sometimes in you know we do this in football you try to determine the worth of the season in october um you know there's there's so much left in basketball and as we see every year not just with our team with lots of teams what a what a basketball team looks like the first of March may be a whole lot different than what they look like the first of January. Hey, if you're ready to take your business to the next level with NIL marketing, everybody talks about it. Everybody wonders exactly what it is. Well, I know a lot of business owners out there that love to take advantage of the new NIL opportunities, connect their brand with a student athlete. There are lots of student athletes out there in lots of places, and if that's you, if that's you, if you're that business owner. Fieldhouse Sports Marketing is your Northwest Arkansas NIL authority. They'll help you get started. They work with athletes to connect them to the community, live appearances, social media, commercial productions, community engagement, lots of opportunities out there. You can call 
5031. 202-5031. Or visit fhsportsmarketing.com. They'll connect you with a student athlete. fhsportsmarketing.com. Welcome to the Fieldhouse. So what else did Eric Musselman say after the game, Chuck, either to you on the radio, post-game, or just to the press conference about the eight minutes they talked needs to be brought up? It needs to be also added to this conversation that you think. Oh, I, that, I, I think I think I think you've covered it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing and we've talked about this, but we we focus on that that free throw percentage for the game and the and the number of nineteen of thirty two and fifty nine percent. But you look at Anthony Black and he was thirteen of sixteen. I think that I think that can be stated again the fact that when you really look in this number. Um, you had one guy, and, and, and you also need to look at uh, what was the council went two for two as well. There's, there's few guys that need to, you know, when it's their turn, make their shots. They had trips well, where they went 0 for 2. Yeah. They went 0 for 2. I mean, I think Makai had one. I think Kamadi had one. I mean, when you get a shooting foul, especially as a big man, you've got to at least knock one of those down. But when you go 0 for 2, when you have a possession where you have a free throw two-shot foul and you don't make any of them, that is such a deflating possession. They had a couple of those on Saturday. No, you're right. I mean, that's exactly right. That, that, that would be just one thing from, from his time that I know he came out late to, to visit with you, uh, Chuck, and you could you could just hear you know that part of his game. I don't know what you do to fix three-point shooting. I don't think there's a switch you can flip. I just... I just think that's where you're at right now. And well, I I, th- I think part of the frustration is you got to do a better job attacking the zone. Uh, that's part of it, and uh, I think there's some frustration there. Clearly, as you said, Ty. I mean, you can't go down and you can't go down and go over two at the line. I mean, that's just not that's that's not a recipe for winning. Um, you know, and there were so many times in the game where it was just I mean, it was basically, basically Anthony Black, and that's why the free throw numbers got to the point they did with him was because he's the one that had the ball in his hands. And so, um, you know, but you're right. I mean, when you go, I, I don't know what to add. I mean, when you're, you know, you say, what else did he say? I, and I think he said everything. Uh, you know, when you're 19 of 32, that pretty much speaks for itself. This yeah. team finished outside the top 303 pointers last year, but I don't remember them getting zoned as much as this team has early on. Is that just because the, the veteran to – to freshman difference, why why is a team that was awful at three point shooting last year? Why does it seem like they did not get a zone as much as this team this year? Teams don't yeah. like playing zone. I mean, teams prefer to play man. That's what they do. I don't know what percentage, eighty, ninety percent of the time, Chuck. I mean, teams generally well, don't zone up a lot. You know, Auburn's not a zone team. Pearl's not a zone coach. I mean, they don't uh, they don't do that. But obviously, you know, when you're playing Arkansas right now, and and Again, I, people, I th- I think it's it's easy to point to. Well, they're not a great three point shooting team, so teams are going to zone them. Um, you know, it's really not that simple. I mean this this team's got a, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. You don't shoot the other side out of his zone. This team's not going to shoot the other team out of his zone. That's not going to happen. Um, and and uh, that should not be part of the plan. Um, you know, they got to do, and they did this some Saturday night. Uh, they got the ball to the middle of the floor, the short corner. They cut to the basket. They hit the cutter. He either made the basket or went to the free throw line. Um, I think when Musk talks about got to be better cutters, uh, you got to have uh, harder cuts, um, I think those are the things that you really need to focus on. That's the game within the game, and it's it's not as obvious as, well, we can't shoot. 
I mean, that's 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 an easy blanket statement. But again, we're we're not going to shoot anybody out of the zone. Now, I mean, maybe once, but uh, you know, it's not going to be any more than that. But uh, you got to get to the basket. You got to attack that zone. You got to break it down. That's how you get teams into a man. As long as you can't break their zone down, they're going to keep doing it. And even a team like Auburn that doesn't do it much will do it a lot in this game. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.